Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Support comes from Big Y, world-class market celebrating 80 years of service to New England families. Big Y's commitment includes support of WNPR and the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Faith here with a welcome toast. If you like to eat, drink, and be merry, you're in the right place. It was Joan Rivers who said, I'm Jewish, I don't work out. If God wanted us to bend over, he'd put diamonds on the floor. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in one bite, two bites, or oops, I ate the whole thing. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, the place to have a good time. Oh, we have comfort food. I'm talking about dishes that remind us of friends, home, or family. Food that gives us a sense of well-being. That's the real definition of comfort food, and that's why it never goes out of style. We're going to celebrate comfort food on this edition of the show, featuring some ultimate comfort recipes from Saveur Magazine's new cookbook, Soups and Stews. Chicken soup, yes, but with an international twist like diced preserved lemon. Vegetarian sweet potato and quinoa stew, and so much more. So get ready to cozy up with us. Plus, we have a new cocktail from our frequent contributor, Connecticut bartender Anthony Desario, and we've discovered a phenomenal French whiskey for winter sipping. Our recipes and information all posted at foochmoose.org right now. My treasured food buddy is here, senior contributor Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Hey, Chris. Hey, Faith. We're going to get to Anthony in just a little bit. I wanted to tell you about this because it is a first. I hope you will join me for my Fuchmo's signature event. This is a chocolate-inspired champagne dinner dance, February 11th. Coming soon. Yes, it is. Some of the region's most talented and innovative chefs have been asked to use chocolate to enhance both savory and sweet dishes. The courses are a surprise, but I can tell you that um. Jacques, if you heard, <laughs> oh, yeah. Anthony, yep. if you heard Jacques yeah. Therese, uh, the, the Mr. Chocolate from New York on the show last week, he came up with a savory dish yeah. involving cocoa nibs shaved. Yeah, the shaved cocoa and nibs. salmon yeah. to give it a yeah. crusty yep. exterior. And he yep. said it's phenomenal. Leeks on the bottom. You know yum, what? Yum. I think we have a chef who's going to take on really? his recipe. Yes. That's so cool. Excellent. We have wines to match from Frederick Wildman and Son's high-quality portfolio. A touch of dark chocolate can lift a dish into mm. the stratosphere. So Chris made a cocoven, which we called a chocoven, because he added yeah. a little dark chocolate. And what yeah. did it do? I'm still it talking about was, it. You right? couldn't identify it as chocolate, but no. it made that dish Rich, so right? unbelievable. Yeah. Anthony Desario has created an original cocktail designed just for this event, and it involves chocolate, music <laughs> uh, to dance from the Alex Nakamovsky oh, yeah. band and singers. The dress is festive. So if you would like to surprise someone for Valentine's Day, you can bring a relative, a friend, 
Um, you can. Uh, we have people who are buying tickets for employees who have done That's a, a good idea. job, and want to congratulate them. And that is so wonderful. Our new chocolate-inspired champagne dinner dance, February 11th, starts at six at the beautiful River House at Goodspeed Station in Haddam, Connecticut. Contributing chefs and restaurants include Manuel Romero of Olia. Uh, the the chef at Plan B Restaurants, Jason cool. Sobosinski nice. of Casius, Matthew Buffard of Shamard Winery and Bistro, Prasad Chernumala of Oaxaca and Tali, David Caudill of Salute. And we want to say thanks to our sponsor, Yukon Health's Pat and Jim Calhoun Cardiology Center, with support from the River House at Goodspeed Power Station Events and Frederick Wildman and Sons Wine Portfolio. I hope you will join us. We'll be there to meet you and enjoy this first-ever Food Schmooze chocolate-inspired dinner with you. The chefs are excited, and so are we. To reserve your tickets, go online for information to wnprhearttoheart.org. That's wnprhearttoheart.org. Okay, I can't wait for this. Oh, I know. it. What a lineup of chefs this year, right? Yeah, it is great. It's a great spot. It's a beautiful location, especially for that time of year, too, and for all of us to come in there it's gonna be i can't wait for Gorgeous. this one you're so kind and i'm excited I'm, I'm more excited yeah. about this than i have and been chocolate in chocolate it's everything chocolate <laughs> i'm just crazy about it all right and um we're asking you to cozy up with us now to delicious soups and stews like chicken orzo with preserved lemon, quinoa sweet potato and cinnamon soup, Iranian chicken and walnut stew with pomegranate molasses. Um, make a weekend batch for family or friends because irresistible flavor and comfort is what it's all about. It's from the cookbook, Sever Soups and Stews. We describe a few recipes now to give you, um, you know, we hope you'll have a look at the book, but this is also to give you ideas. Anthony, if you think of a cocktail to match these stews, just holler. Oh, yeah. Because I want people to see how you create on the fly. Chris, as we meet our Sever Test Kitchen director in just one second, I want to make the point that we are trying to brainstorm about ingredients and these recipes that are in the book because at home, weren't stews and soups something that every family invented on the fly yeah. based on what was around. Basically, what's left over in your fridge is the best way to come up with soups and stews, right? It's not one of those things that you're supposed to, like, go shopping for. It's one of those things you put together in the, at the last minute and use recipes like hers as a kind of guide, right, on how to do it. So you might not have raisins, but maybe you have dried cranberries. You might not have uh, chicken, but you have leftover turkey, whatever. And you use those recipes as sort of the building of your soup and stew. Those ingredients, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, our guest is Sever Magazine's Test Kitchen Director, Faraday Sadigan. Welcome to the Fooch Moose Party, Faraday. Hi, thank you so much. Okay, Chris Prosperi just made, I think, one of the great chicken dishes in your book. And this comes out of a culture. This is the Cuban dish, Chris, the Cuban yeah. chicken stew. Faraday, this comes from, uh, who is the woman who is, I've read so much about through the years, who was so uh, famous in Cuba? 
Yes, Nitsa Vilopol. Um, so she's a legendary Cuban cook. And this comes directly from her, which has been passed on, you know, through Very generations cool. in Cuba. And we have the pleasure of being able to cook those recipes here, even if, you know, now we can start to go to Cuba, but before, maybe not so much. Um, bring those flavors into our yeah. home. <laughs> so, Chris, just whip through how easy this was oh to God. put together. I, you know, and I thought it was going to be a little more difficult when I was reading the list of ingredients, but it is so easy. You start off with chicken. Um, she says, you know, a, a three and a half pound chicken that you cut up into quarters, or you can just use, I use just some chicken thighs, bone in skin and skin on chicken thighs, and you marinate it in fresh lime juice, fresh orange juice, and smashed garlic cloves. Yum. I love that. I love marinating chicken and citrus. And citrus, yeah, it, it does. It changes things. the texture, well, too. And it, it also does. needs it. Yeah, Chicken agreed. needs mm-hmm. it. And then when this turns into a stew, it has already been marinated in these ingredients. So this is great. And this is what all the Latin cultures really teach us. Um, what'd you do next, Chris? All right, then you heat your oil in a large, you know, pot. You remove the chicken from the marinade. You pat it dry. And then working in batches, you put it in the oil and sear it and get it nice and browned on both sides. You know, it takes about eight to ten minutes. And then you take it out of the pot and put it on a plate and let it rest. And in the meantime, you take your pan, leave it on the stove, and you add thinly sliced bell pepper and onion to the pan and the juices that are in there, scraping up all those bits while you saute it for about eight minutes. Then you deglaze it with white wine, you know, scraping up more of those bits. And then you return the chicken to the pan. You throw in the reserved marinade, which I thought was a great touch, that citrus juice you add to the stew. And then you add uh, potatoes, raisins, and capers and green olives. So cute. Tomato sauce, salt and pepper, a little bit of water. You cover it. You cook it till the chicken and the potatoes are tender. You're done. Delicious, Faraday. Oh Thank my you. gosh! And I think it was one of my so favorite good. things is just adding in the peas at the end. My, yeah. Oh, I forgot my, the like, peas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My freezer staples is yeah. a bag of frozen peas. It's not yeah. just for you know putting on an injury to keep it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cool down. It's I like it's that. Yeah. you know use it to anything. I add frozen peas into many things, and it's just one of those things to always kind of I do too. Keep yeah. in your and it is great in soups and stews, right? Totally, totally. And and I like your idea. It, it is so easy to keep frozen peas. I do this. So just for fun, Anthony, you hear that Cuban profile of raisins yes. and, and garlic and citrus juices. How does a mind like yours think when you hear a stew like that? What cocktail comes into oh, your mind? I, just, I, I immediately think Havana Club uh, seven-year rum. Uh, right out of the gate, if you can get it up here, which you can't yet, yet. But I, rum I, you I, like? It's, it's, it's a dark, so I'm thinking dark rum and with those citrus notes. Um, we have the recipe online already with the rum hatton that we did, the Manhattan with rum. That and so And good. using port instead, so the port will pick up those raisin notes and it'll blend really well with those citruses that you mentioned too. So you can even mull it down and make it warm. So a nice warm mulled rum mm. Manhattan mm. You know, while you're, while you're having that stick to your ribs, just Cuban, that's oh yeah, all over the place. Okay. So, I like it. So you see how Done. this works, Faraday? <laughs> yes, um, I'm into it. <laughs> well, you know, because you're in the test kitchen at Sever, and yes. you've been so intimately involved with all the recipes in this book. I can't imagine testing these and, and what a good time that must be. And totally. You know, we've been around for about 21 years now. So a lot of them are, you know, recipes we've worked with before, and then we developed a lot of new ones. Sure, we have, you know, huge kind of backlog of recipes, but filling in the holes of places that we haven't been, or maybe we didn't get to cover certain areas the way we wanted to. So it was kind of fun to fill in the blanks and make a, a book that really is a composite of 
soups and stews, you know, that really speak to your your soul. Um, Excellent. Let's begin with a Tunisian short rib and meatball stew. This is for the meat lover in the house. This was surprising to me when I saw that you had both meatballs and short ribs in the same stew. I mean, I think that doing meatballs and short ribs is kind of a fun thing. Like short ribs, you really cook it down and get it to the point where the meat's kind of falling off as well. In meatballs, I mean, why not, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you there. I'm just so (laughs) surprised that this is a Tunisian dish. I hadn't imagined that this would be big. It involves... Uh, ground chuck and pepper and cumin, cilantro, parsley, salt, paprika, cinnamon, and egg, of course, to hold those meatballs together. And then you have the short ribs, that cinnamon in there that's such a Tunisian touch, isn't it? Oh, yes. It is. Cinnamon, you know, it's used in a lot of different stews in this book, but just even around the world. It's really kind of fascinating to follow even the spice routes around the world and see where everything ends up. That's um, very yeah, cool. the flavors on this are good. And the beans in this, beans. Again, like you were saying before, Chris, using this book as kind of a foundation for making your own recipes. Beans is one of those other canned things or something. Yeah, Yeah, or or dried beans. Um, Just remember to soak them the night before. Or you can also do a quick soak, though. I don't know if you guys ever do that. Yeah, hot water Um, or boiling water. Yeah, totally. Just boil them and let it sit for like an hour Mm -hmm. and And they're good to go. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's a good trick. Um, this is Faraday Sadigan, and she is head of the Test Kitchen for Severe Magazine. And this book, Soups and Stews, based on their many years of collecting these from around the world. So if you have people coming over, you want to do a party dish, if you have things in the freezer or the refrigerator and you want to create a stew out of your own mind, we are using this as a way for you to brainstorm. Or you can, of course, we have three of the recipes on our site right now and the cocktail at foodschmooze.org. Schmooze, spelled like school, S-C-H, foodschmooze.org. I can imagine, Anthony, people coming into the house. Oh, yeah. You've got a stew like one of these on. What do you hear more that are coming? Or a soup. And people saying, wow, this is kind of a twist on these classics that I know. Except for these cultures, they are classics. Yeah. Yeah. And just like she she was saying about the the spices and just I could just imagine those all those aromas and, you know, everything from around the world. You know, that's what I do with cocktails. It's this is so it's historic. Yes, exactly. So, um, Faraday, how about, I love Thai coconut flavors. Thinking about this Thai coconut and chicken soup. Uh, Yes. For this time of year when it's cold and you kind of want to transport yourself to Southeast Asia, this is the dish to do it. (laughs) And you can make the stock for this ahead of time. It's basically stock, some cilantro, lime leaves, lemongrass, ginger. And you can make that, strain it, and keep that in your freezer and pull it out whenever you want and then add the other ingredients to it. That's a great idea. Um, I love making stocks ahead of time and freezing them. And that way, when you have that last minute kind of whim to make a super stew, your big part is done. Uh, So, of course, it has um, lime leaves. Uh, If you can get them, you can now buy these in the international aisle in just about any supermarket. Lemongrass, you can get that there, too. Ginger and mushrooms and a chili and a chicken breast and a little brown sugar and coconut milk. It's that fresh lime juice against the coconut that makes this great. A touch of fish sauce. You don't even know it's there, but it does something. Cherry tomatoes, scallions. This is quite a stew. One of my favorite 
favorite flavor profiles. What I would do for this soup as well is add fish to it instead of chicken. Oh, shrimp, right? yeah. scallops. Yeah, right, shrimp, yeah. 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 just seafood. Jumps. Make it a really seafood kind of heavy with the with coconut scallops. and the lime. It would be amazing. Okay, make it your own, right? <laughs> um, we love that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break right now, and we hope you'll support your local food growers and food makers. And for on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week to find terrific food, wine, cocktails, restaurants, hot topics, our fun, short streaming videos, and recipes we feature, including the soups and stews that are there right now, we are always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org. More delicious conversation after a quick break. Okay, hope that first bite of the food schmooze felt like a hot biscuit with butter coming your way. Feel free to tell your food-loving friends worldwide they can enjoy the show and our online site at foodschmooze.org. Here's your second bite. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Bean. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. We have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure. Just sign up for it once at our site, and we'll automatically send you our show every week so you can listen on your schedule. Also, discover our delicious curated food wine events, cocktail recommendations. We love talking with you, so stop by often and say hi. We're always online at foodschmooze.org. I'm with my treasured food buddy, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, and our chief cocktail contributor, Anthony DeSario. We have on the line Faraday Sadigan, who is director of the Severe Magazine Test Kitchen and was very much in charge of putting together testing and trying. That's why we're talking to her. <laughs> All these soups and stews in this new cookbook, Severe Soups and Stews. We have information very about cool. the book, excerpts, a few of the recipes online right now at our site. Uh, Faraday, a chicken soup with orzo and one of my favorite ingredients. I buy these by the gallon, preserved lemon. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. nice. You should make some, too. <laughs> yeah. We used to have a Moroccan pastry chef that made them, and he'd take a jar and put them under the sink. And they'd sit down there for about a week or so. And oh, they're, they're so, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I have. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I fail when I try to make preserved lemons. Aww. I don't know what it we'll is. We'll have to make them together. Just add vodka. Okay. Just add vodka. <laughs> <laughs> make some limoncello and stuff. Exactly. That's where I was going. <laughs> so think about this. This is extra virgin olive oil, onion, coriander, cumin, garlic, ginger, cinnamon. 
orzo pasta, the chicken breasts, and some parsley, and then uh, the rind of a preserved lemon that you thinly slice. Yum. And in this 20 minutes, this thing comes together. It's really it's terrific. It's one of the most, yes, effortless, really effortless recipes that's in this book. Again, could use any pasta. A small one for this one works really nicely, but you could even use spaghetti or something. But it adds a bit of hardiness to this clear broth. And, you know, really makes it one of those comfort classics, like chicken soup for the soul, essentially. I seem to be a little obsessed with chicken here. Um, And I'm sorry, (laughs) but I'm kind of stuck on that. I don't know why. It seems that every time I was turning a page, there was another chicken one that I really liked. So bear with me. Here is a recipe for Iranian chicken and oh. walnut stew. This wow. I love those flavor so profiles. good to me. We haven't made this. But the chicken breast, turmeric, onion, chopped spinach, walnuts, and pomegranate molasses. You can get it in any health food store and sometimes in every supermarket in the international aisle. A little sugar and you make some basmati rice. Tell me about how this tastes. Is this a great one? Oh, my God. It's so good. I'm actually half Persian, and we grew up with this Very dish. Cool. Oh, and nice. it is one of just my favorite things. And I had to admit, growing up, I didn't initially like it. I didn't even taste it. I refused. I don't know why. Kids are kids, and we, you know. But um, and when I grew up and I made it myself at home, and I just I told my dad about it. He goes, "You realize that that's the dish you never ate as a child?" And I was like, "I have no idea why. I, I was missing out this whole time." You know, it has that nice kind of sweetness with the pomegranate, and then the walnut. It's really it's a beautiful dish and sings the praises I think of the Persian culture. There is something about you might imagine regular molasses and say. Really? How would that be in a stew? This is a whole other thing. Pomegranate molasses. I it has that's a, a completely sweet different and sour animal. thing. Yeah. Just amazing. So, do you have a cocktail in mind? Uh, oh, or? I'm sure I can just come up with something. I was just thinking of <laughs> I taking. I bet you the, would make I was, great uh, I was thinking of taking the pomegranate molasses, and I would reduce that down with a little bit of water and add some of that turmeric to it. And make Ooh, a syrup, oh. and See, then healthy too. you know maybe either like a, a blended scotch or just a uh, just like a nice quality vodka with that maybe just a touch of soda that's so just a nice fizz with that pomegranate and those spices in there and just let that shine right through that sounds good i love that that sounds perfect how about uh maine shrimp chowder this is a a great thing to make in the winter time you know when you're you want something hearty but you know and rich but light at the same time and shrimp feels that way and this has some bacon in it and some uh, potatoes and yeah. cream. Yeah, the good thing about this one, like you said, it's lighter because there's no flour. So mm. it's thickened with the help of the potatoes and add that starchiness to it. But it's, it is, yes, rich with the cream, but, you know, lighter without the flour. So for all like, you uh, celiacs out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like brothier chowders. I do. Even in the winter, I like the brothy chowders. Now, Chris and I, Faraday, have a thing about not uh, turning to flour as our thickener all mm-hmm. the time. And we prefer cornstarch corn and water yeah. to nice. make that little slurry. Mm-hmm. You cannot taste it. Yeah. and uh, It's lighter. For people who are gluten-free, it really yeah. works out. Yeah. So, totally. Very simple to use, too, right? I'm not saying you need it in your chowder because you've got potatoes in this, but you could if you're making another super stew. And you add it at the end so you can really be in control of your uh, viscosity, right, and how thick or thin you make it. 
Exactly. And with this recipe, um, you're making actually your own shrimp stock to begin with. You're using shell and Mm -hmm. head-on shrimp and then using those, kind of crushing up and making your own stock. And it makes quite a bit of stock that you can freeze. So if you were to perhaps thicken it too much at the end, because you're only using three cups of the stock initially, you could use some of that stock, you know, to help. Yeah, thin it back a bit. And let let me get your take on this, Faraday. You're suggesting that people go to the fish market and say, can I have the heads that you (laughs) might be throwing away? I want to use them for stock. You could do that. You can usually buy fish stock in your market. If you don't have access to what we're talking about, what I do is just make regular shell on shrimp without the heads. I save the shells in the freezer and then I boil them down and it makes its own little stock and that's a good backup, right Chris? Oh yeah. Exactly. And and I've got one even easier because I'm the lazy chef. Yeah. I just use <laughs> the bottled clam juice that you get in the supermarket and you know thin it with a little bit of water. Whenever I'm making a chowder, a fish chowder, a fish soup, that's what I do instead of making a, my own stock. Oh. You know the little bottles of yeah, clam do. juice? Just They're mix good. it 50-50 with water and use that as your broth. And that's it, not too salty? Nice not, no, you mix, it, you mix it 50-50 with water, right? So you use one bottle of the clam juice and then you fill that with water and you put that in the pot That's and it works out perfectly idea. and yeah I'm, i don't know i love making my own stocks at the restaurant but when i'm at home <laughs> just something switches in my head and i'm like stock nah yeah <laughs> so so this i'm with uh anthony deseri our cocktail guy our senior contributor chris prosperi and faraday sadigan who is test kitchen director at Saver magazine a magazine i like so much All right, we did the kind of lighter version with the shrimp chowder. Now we're going to go full bore. Uh Uh-oh. Beer cheese soup. Oh, Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Wait, is football season still going? Yes, it is. (laughs) This is what you want for Super Bowl. Exactly. February 7th or Yeah, it's coming soon. (laughs) Coming soon. Uh, And in the photograph, you have some blue cheese, of all things, sprinkled on top of this. Uh, So a gorgonzola, you know. So um, Yes. I just burst out laughing when I saw this, and I thought, this looks good. This is butter and shallots and carrot and onion, vegetable stock, milk, caraway seeds, sharp cheddar, ale, crumbled gorgonzola on top, and crusty bread. So this, in a way... this is rich. (laughs) You dip the bread in it, and the bread just gets coated with it, right? Totally. And like you said, fondue, you could add less stock to this and make it into more of like a dip in a fondue. Oh, my God, yes. You know, because it might be too Uh rich to have a full bowl of it yourself, but make it into a dip. It's perfectly acceptable. Pretzels, right? The big pretzel rods. Or in the bread in there. Or in the bread bowl itself. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. How about if we go the other way? How could you um, make it less? thick and you know where you could eat a whole bowl of this Have what, more what would you do more beer you know would you add more vegetable stock or could you add chicken sure. stock what what would yeah. be a way I would definitely add a bit more stock and then have maybe a bit more beer on the side for yourself to drink with. (laughs) Always have more beer. Always have more beer. Always. So can I ask a quick question? Favorite broth, canned broth or boxed broth? Do you have one? Oh, for me? Yeah. I don't don't know if I have a favorite one. Because there are a lot Um, out there now, right, that are decent. There are a lot. I have to say, I do shop at Whole Foods a lot. Mm -hmm. I really like the 365 brand. Yeah, that's a good Um, one. I don't use the even the low-sodium ones, but always taste your broth no matter what because sometimes it's not flavored very well or it's too 
salty. Yeah. So you just want to make sure you don't over salt. Yeah. And you can cut them with water if they are, right? Can I do something? I want because I don't want to run out of time. I want to give people, this is a brainstorming session. We're also telling you about Sever Soups and Stews, this cookbook that has come out. Three of the recipes are on our site, foodschmooze.org. If you have a way of doing a soup at your house, a favorite soup, we would love to yes. hear that from you because you're going to inspire other people on Facebook. We'd like to have a conversation with you there. So... Visit us at Faith Middleton <laughs> Food Schmooze, and um, let's get a conversation going about that. What your favorite yeah. soup is to make, right, this time of year. When I was growing up, um, Faraday and, and Chris and Anthony, my mother made a vegetable soup, and none of us in the family have ever been able to duplicate it. We don't know what she did. It had a tomato base, and it had, you know, canned tomatoes, nothing uh-huh. fresh, yeah, yeah. and all kinds of vegetables, but it was so amazing. And so I'm very interested in what people do at home. Didn't we all have favorite soups when we were a kid? My mom is Austrian, so she made one, a chicken broth with these dumplings, these Austrian dumplings. dumplings. And oh my God, it was was called knurdle. And oh my gosh, you could just- What's not to like about dumplings? And you just eat a big one, like almost like a matzo ball in your soup. Oh my God, so good. Only better. Only better. (laughs) Even I was just saying earlier uh, during the break, to this day in my house, there's always soup or a stew. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you will find- One's getting empty. Dad's got another one going. You know, here I'm making that. a joke about only better. Somehow thinking that dumplings would be better than matzo balls. No, matzo Maybe balls not. Are damn good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. I mean, what's the difference between matzo balls and regular dumplings? The, the flour that they right, the matzo yeah. meal instead of the flour. So really, pretty much the yeah, same. Okay, yeah. that's say I just learned yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, there's a cream. I want to cruise through some of these so we can brainstorm with you. A cream of roasted mushroom soup. The trick with this one that you could do it home if you don't happen to have the book yet you could either fry or roast some mushrooms in the oven right faraday totally and roasting definitely you know develops a lot more flavor it's the same when you're if you're making your own chicken stock or beef broth or whatever roasting the bones develops a lot more flavor so that's what we do here with the mushrooms we're also using dried porcini mushrooms and a little bit of the liquid that you're soaking those in adds goes back into the stock um, into the soup Wow. Yeah, it makes a really nice broth. It has that boost of umami to it, um, and it, it really adds, you know, there's a lot of different layers of flavor with all the different ways you're cooking the mushrooms. Yeah, there's a spice company called Spice Mill in Connecticut, and they have mm-hmm. a porcini powder they sell to the public, and I'm addicted to it. And it's, that would be great it's just powdered porcini, and I use it in all my vegetable broths now. Just a little bit. It adds that, like you said, umami, that depth of flavor. And it's not very expensive. When do you add it, Chris? You add it, you, it doesn't matter. You just add it in the beginning, at the end. It just sort of flavors the broth. And you just stir it in and just, it, it dissolves? It's just powdered and it just dissolves, yeah. That's yeah, my favorite word one. is umami. Yeah. I love umami. Anything yeah. savory. Yeah. You know, like Faith and I will be having our boulevardiers with something yeah. like that. Yeah, you got to have it right in you have your the cocktail. Ne- you know, the Negroni with, yeah. uh, with, with bourbon instead yeah. with something like that. <laughs> with mo- roasted mushroom soup? Oh, what that, would you cool, do? Because we would have the well, we'd have, the we bur- have a Negroni? Bur- yeah, well, we have a Negroni, except we'll take the gin out and we'll put either rye or bourbon in. So you have those spice notes from the rye with our sweet vermouth and the, um, and okay. the, the Campari. Or maybe an against Aperol. mushrooms. Yeah, because you'll have I that. You'll never have, well, have, well, you'll have that that, that like savory that. note, or even I would even go out of the box and use maybe a mezcal or a nice peaty scotch. So you get that smokiness oh, yeah. with the Wouldn't mushrooms. I love it. Right. Nice. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I could see. I could really <laughs> see doing like a mezcal in there, which is, which is wow. a smoky agave based spirit. Yeah. 
What's the difference between mezcal and regular tequila? Well, tequila has to be uh, aged. Well, the, the pina for tequilas have to be aged at least eight years in the in Guadalajara or Jalisco, and mezcal needs to be aged in uh, the town of Oaxaca. So it's a completely oh. different regions, terroirs, uh, age restrictions, and same a lot of, plant. Uh, it is the agave plant, but there's just different like age regulations as to how long the tequila has to grow or the oh. agave has to grow before it can be harvested and okay. where it can be grown. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um, so also in uh, Severus Soups and Stews, we have escarole sausage and cannelli bean stew. Uh, it's a, an Italian classic. That's, that, right that's, 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 that's probably in my refrigerator right now. It's, yes. <laughs> classic that, Italian, right? It just feels it so classic. Escarole is one of those things that people often shy away from, you know, those bitter, leafy greens. But I love it. And cooked down in this. And what we do also, not only are you garnishing this with grated Pecorino Romano, you're adding in some thinly sliced Pecorino Romano and cooking it with that. And so it kind of adds like a creaminess to it um, and adds a nice yep. balance of that bitterness from we, the We have a trick in our, in our kitchen that we take the rind of our cheeses and we throw them in a pot of water and make a broth out of them. And yes. that makes great wow. soup. Yeah, never throw away your Parmesan cheese. No, never. Just no, put them no. in, a, in a little no. thing of cold water, bring it up to a simmer, simmer it for like 15, 20 minutes, turn it off and strain it. You could use that broth for this dish. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Does anyone do yeah. what I do? I have like, so many rinds in my refrigerator mm-hmm. and I never actually put them in anything. I just <laughs> I'm like a warehouse. Like <laughs> use, use them as door them, stops think, or, yeah. or to open a door, like a wedge underneath the door to keep it open. I need to save this, I say to myself. Yeah. No, put them in the This get a is going to make something great yeah. and I never use it. And it doesn't matter. All kinds of different ones. Put them all, we put them all together, like as we you have do? four or five different types of cheese that we hard cheeses that have that kind of rind. You put them in. Put them all in a pot of water, cold water, bring it up to a simmer, simmer it for like a half hour, 45 minutes, take it off, strain it, and you're done. And then then we're using that as our cooking base. And you'll see also that there'll be a, when you refrigerate it, there'll be a layer of hard fat on the top, and you can take that and cook your vegetables in it. So what we do, we, like, Massimo Batura came in to the test kitchen with us, and we did that exact thing. We made risotto with the broth, and then you're adding the cream from the top back into the risotto, folding it at the end instead of doing, like, butter. Goodness. Yeah. It's so decadent, yeah. and we fight over that. We fight over that that that, that top layer because <laughs> it. it's not a lot; it's a little bit. But boy, you, you put that in, like you said, you fold it into something at the end, or even put it in potatoes when you mash it. Oh, oh yes, my sister makes mac and cheese with those. Yeah, I've got yeah. an idea. What if we brought the show to Faraday, sat again in the test kitchen at Sever? And we all cook together and talked food and what the, oh, how they're. Fun. What do you think? That would be so fun. That'd be amazing. Yeah. You're more than welcome to. I invite you for sure to come in. That'd be what great. Fun. We'll do. All right. So that's on the <laughs> agenda. Food road, on the road. road trip. We would eat trip. well. <laughs> okay. Where do you see the bar on the bus? <laughs> Very. You see the bar above my desk. Yes. <laughs> Very quickly, I want to say for vegetarians, I like this. I love quinoa. So we've got quinoa and sweet potato soup. With olive oil, red onion, cumin, red chili flakes, that touch I love because this kind of soup with sweet potatoes always needs a little opposite opposition. Um, mm, totally. Uh, cinnamon, coriander, garlic, ginger, the sweet potatoes, vegetable stock, chopped kale, the quinoa, almond butter. Oh, Here's so where you touch. Wow. Right? Ah, I love the almond butter at the end. It's so interesting, you know, wow. just something that you don't really expect 
adds that nutty richness to it. We have this recipe. This recipe's online at foodschmooze.org. Faraday, I have loved talking with you. I love your enthusiasm for food and your knowledge, too. I can see how talented you are. That's why we want to come and see you. Thank you so much. Faraday Sagan, director of the Test Kitchen at Sever Magazine offices in New York. And we are going to take a a short break now. And on the other side of this, we're going to tell you about our cocktail discovery. Anthony's got a new cocktail for you. And also, we have a French whiskey that is to die for. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. All right. This is the Fuchmoose Party offering the richness of life coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to sh- hear our show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. And we'll be right back. Boiled up a pot of chicken soup. And swallowed it away like a day oh, oh, One more mouth-watering bite of the food schmooze. Ready? Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR One. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device, and once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier? Download the free app, NPR One, and start listening. Let's party on. More Fuchmoos. This is the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze Party. I'm with my uh, food buddies, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, our cocktail contributor, the chief, Anthony Desario. <laughs> and we are so excited. By the way, I don't know about you, I'm so into soups and stews now mm. that I just want to race oh, out yeah. of here, except it's cocktail time, and that makes me happy. Uh, we uh, wanted to tell you for that last segment about what Cook's Illustrated test panel found was the best beef bouillon base. Awesome. Really? It is, they say, better than bouillon in the jar oh, yeah, on I've the seen shelf. That. Sure. And it's a good price. They think it has a real beefy taste, but for flavor, they like this the best. Better than bouillon beef base. And you could use it in your soups sure, and sure. stews to beef things up, as we say. All right, here we go. We're going to a cocktail and our new whiskey discovery, which is called Bastille. Thanks to Anthony DeSerio. It's a French whiskey. I couldn't believe how delicious this was. So we're going to hear about a new cocktail he's designed. This is on our website. You can make this at home, too, this recipe, foodschmooze.org. And also, we're going to talk with the master distiller at Bastille to find out what this is all about and how they made such a great whiskey. Yeah, it's, Anthony, it's, it's, a, you... it's a stunning product. It really is. And when we were doing uh, soups and stews, I immediately think of my favorite place which is new orleans and then to be incorporating french whiskey well how do you not go to the french quarter and french quarter also known as vaucare and vaucare is a 1930s cocktail that was invented at the hotel Monteleone, my favorite hotel and pretty Very much every cool. bartender oh, yeah. in this in the, in the country's favorite hotel especially in july 
uh, when we all descend down there for Tales of the Cocktail. And I always love to belly up to the bar there and have a Vaucaray where it was invented in the 1930s by a gentleman named Borgeron. And uh, it's just three-ingredient cocktail, and we're going to start off with our Bastille we're gonna, whiskey. We're going to make this right here. We're going okay. to make it right now. So we've got everything so we need. The, the Bastille whiskey. So it's a yeah. beautiful bottle. comes in a square glass bottle with beautiful lines. It's simple. It's elegant. So, Anthony, you've just poured... Uh, three quarters of an ounce of the whiskey. Okay. Then the recipe, don't worry about it, because the recipe yeah. is online. And it's extremely simple. Now, and in comes in a comes little bit of... In comes cognac or brandy, three okay. quarters okay. of an ounce. So and this is all equal cool. parts. Three quarter, yeah. three quarter, three quarter. So whiskey plus... Plus cognac. Plus yeah. cognac. Or brandy. Or right. brandy. That's yeah. interesting. And now, why do you put those two together? Uh, it's just, it's how it was designed, and it's been around since uh, the, the 30s, so that's I'm cool. not even going to question is, it. This oh, is a classic this is cocktail. Classic. This is the original recipe. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, now what's going this, in? Now we're going to do our sweet vermouth. Okay. And, and say then. the name of this cocktail again. Vaucaré. It means Vaux? French quarter. That's oh, so cool. I see. Vaucaré. Oh, are you okay. putting so, something so, else in? Yeah, we're going to put out a couple more things in. So now we're going to have Peychaud's bitters, which okay. is a little more anise note. Then and we're also going to use our Angostura bitters. So it gets both bitters. So you Two get the bitters. so you're going to get these uh, the baking spices from the Angostura and yeah. a little bit of the anise notes from the Peychaud. Sure. So we're just only going to use two dashes of each. If you don't have both, you don't need to use okay. both. You so can just use go with one. One. Okay, and most people have the Angostura. Yes. Peychauds you use as just a slightly different flavor profile. If you're going to yes. have just yes. one in your house, is one. Oh, Angostura all yeah, the way. Okay. Yeah. And Industry that's the one you can, you can buy that in the grocery store. It's it's considered a condiment. Okay. So everything is in your shaker. And, and this we're is... We're just going to do a bar spoon of Benedictine, oh. Oh, which is... We're I mean, done. No, we're lovers of chartreuse here. So this is also a, a French liqueur with a lot of different uh, botanicals and a honey note to it. Benedictine. Benedictine. Makes the medicine go down. Okay. There you go. With <laughs> it, your bar spoon. So you're so not no, shaking. We're no, stirring. because we have all spirits. So when it's all spirits, you always stir because oh, you I didn't just know that very nice so we're gonna get that nice and chilled and diluted we usually do about 30 revolutions as my friend dale de Groff says and now we're just gonna strain that out into our glass and we okay. are ready to go i can't wait now while you're pouring that i would like to bring in charles decor he is master distiller of this whiskey bastille that i've been describing to you that is so beautiful I should say Charles Decor. Welcome to the Pooch Moose. Thank, thank you for having me today. I'm excited to, uh, to tell you a little bit more about my creation here. Well, I'm just going to sip the cocktail that Vaucaré. Vaucaré. Mm, oh, my goodness. Huh? I'd be, I'd be on a plane to New Orleans. Let's go. If you didn't make this, this is a great recipe. It's, it's, what a great, it's a beautiful with cocktail. beautiful ingredients. Um, All those different smells and tastes, right? And Mr. Decor, what is happening at Bastille Whiskey that it has such an elegant flavor? It's like a, the final cognac. Go ahead. Well, you know, first, you know, I grew up in a vineyard and uh, my family distilled cognac, the spirit cognac, in the little town of Cognac, where I was born. And uh, I always, you know, saw my family distilling. So uh, I was distilling uh, the first time when I was eight. And my family distilled for 150 years. We distilled uh, for Hennessy and Martin and so on. And my grandmother is Irish. So I decided, you know, to spend some time in Ireland to discover, you know, how they work, how they distill, what type of pot still they use. 
and came back in uh, France and decided with my godfather, my uncle, Jean-Marc Decourt, to come up with something different, not to copy the Scotch, not to copy the Irish or the, the fantastic bourbon, but to express our know-how. And um, the alambic pot still that's very famous in the area of Cognac to distill this particular whiskey. And we use as well, the magic happens in a cask, you know, so we use the most expensive wood, the limousine oak cask. Limousine oak. Yes, usually it's reserved for the aging process of cognacs or Bordeaux wines. Yeah, all the Bordeaux are, are aged in them. I'm so dazzled by the conversation and dazzled by this cocktail. It's one of the best cocktails I've ever had. No wonder this <laughs> is a classic. Oh, Why yes. did this disappear? Oh, um, it's, and it's I, down there I in suspect, a live well. I suspect that there's because there is such a high-level whiskey in here, this is another yeah. thing that really sends this up a notch. Yeah, and the Bastille so, plays very well against this, too, with the spice I, notes I, and the stone fruit yeah. that are in the in the flavor profile. It's really the talent of uh, Anthony as well. Anthony is a genius at making cocktails. Yeah, we're lucky to have him. Uh, Mr. Dokar, I can hear that your whole background is in this, but when you say that you didn't want to duplicate what already exists and wanted to do what you know how to do, how would you describe what that is? If, if someone said, what kind of whiskey is this? Right. I would say this is an elegant yeah. cognac. It's a whiskey, you know. Whiskey is made out of grains, yeah. and we are lucky enough to have the finest grains in France. We select the grains around the area of Paris. It's called La Plaine de la Beauce. The quality, really, of the soil, having a lot of clay, provides the finest grains in, uh, in Europe. And we use, as well, the pure quality of water that uh, arrives from the Pyrenean Mountains at the border of Spain. But really, you know, the magic happens in a cask. And this fantastic wood, the limousine oak cask, previously aging some cognac in the barrels that I bought, as well as some sauterne white wine. So to describe Bastille, this is really something unique. It's a category by itself. It's uh, halfway between the bourbon, in the sense that it's very smooth. You know, there is no burn, no bite. And then at the end, you get some spices, and a little bit of smoke. You have described it perfectly. That's it. It's crossed between bourbon and whiskey. There is no bite, yet there is a little smoke and spice at the end. That is a perfect description. Of course, the barrels do their magic. I hear that the ingredients are important, but as in winemaking, the recipe master, that would be you, must know when to stop with one thing or another, what to add, what not to add, how to keep it pure, when aging it should be stopped because it's carrying it into a new territory. How do you make those decisions? Well, you know, really, the blending is an art. You combine, you know, blend together to find out the hint that you're looking for. And uh, it takes time. And then it's all about the aging. And we are lucky enough to be uh, in southwest of France. So you understand that it's warmer than in Ireland or Scotland. Mm. And we have as well, you know, we are close to the Atlantic Ocean. So we have this high level of humidity, which is very helpful for the aging process. This is such an interesting description to hear about humidity and climate with regard to whiskey, because I have to tell you, my impression is that it's a bunch of giant distilling machines and that this is more chemistry than art. Now, of course, I don't mean that about a fine cognac or something. When I taste yours, I think, what's this? Now I see that there is an art to this, just like... Winemaking, right? Yeah. This isn't just science. This is science and art, just like medicine is an art. And love. <laughs> Correct. So we were lucky to have 94 points, you know, from, from the Beverage Tasting Institute. They say one word, exceptional. 
And okay. this is really the Parker of the Spirit, you know, the Beverage Testing Institute. Yes. As well, we've been uh, rated the Whiskey of the Year by the New York International Spirit Competition. I didn't know that. So, Congratulations. Well, we have good taste, don't we? I, I bring some good stuff in. I know. <laughs> oh, and congratulations to you, and, and I think well-deserved. Not that I have tasted every every cognac, but uh, I certainly have never tasted a whiskey like this. No, this is this really is a, and I'm not a big whiskey drinker. Extraordinary. You know that, right? uh, Anthony, what would this retail for a bottle or uh, Mr. Docor? $35, yes. retail price. Uh-huh, and the distributor is... Uh, worldwide wines. Worldwide. Okay. Well, that is. And, yeah, that... you can sign online. You know, you can look at uh, our website, which is www.bastillewhiskey.com. Okay. B a s t i l l e w h i s k y. As we say, storm the Bastille. That's yeah. Storm the Bastille. So, Charles, one question I never actually got to ask you when we were out on the road that one wonderful winter day, and I'm not even going to tell you that the tires in the back of my car were bald and we almost died. Now, the, the oak age, the limousine oak, is that used at all, or is that brand new? No, it's used. So they've been seasoned? Yes, they've been used before. Usually uh, an average of five years minimum to get, you know, uh, some powerful profile. People who sell these aged barrels for for other people like you, it's probably more expensive to buy these. That's an art in itself. It's more expensive to buy these arrow, uh, barrels as they've been aged. Is that right? Is that how it works? Yes, uh, and it's not easy to find some. You know, it's getting rare. So, you know, we are lucky to have uh, to have enough for for the the generations to come. Hopefully, it is amazing how creative we are as human beings. I was I remember being in France leading a food and wine tour there, and we went to that great barrel toasting place. I, it oh, begins yeah. with a T. Is it Tonnelier? I'm sorry, I can't remember, but um, a very well known. Uh, barrel toasting, they have the most elegant barrels in the wine industry, and people want them because they're magnificent, the way they toast the barrel, which adds a certain flavor to the wine. And here we are now. Imagine humans thinking of this. Now here we are in the whiskey realm hearing about... There's so many different pieces, right? Without the barrels, without the still, without the the farmers growing the grains, like he said, in that part of France. And Mr. Docar, I'm so glad you would explain all this to us because it makes the it, this cocktail by itself, independent of anything, is so delicious. Your whiskey I've tasted by itself, and that's what started all this. I thought it was just a knockout. To know the stories you're telling is to make this experience so much better. Well, thank you so much once again. I'm just going to add that we are uh, actually introducing the single malt. So what you're trying now is the blend, and we're extending the, the portfolio with the, the single malt, oh. and uh, hopefully at the end of this year, three different types of single cask. So stay tuned. Ooh. Well, what would oh, that Faith do? wants those. No, <laughs> no what would that do? What, if, if you go from this, if this is the blend, what, how will it change if it's a single malt? So, well, the single malt is 100%, you know, uh, malted barley. And uh, we use uh, we use the, the same wood, the limousine oak cask, but different uh, second cask. So it was aging, you know, some cognac before, some Sautern, some Burgundy, and some sherry wine from Spain. So you're going to have an, a unique combination. What we do with Jean-Marc and myself, we really, really don't want to copy anyone. We... Uh, we, we we bring something different. So please try. You're going to see that this is a very delicate, a little bit more smoky, 
and uh, definitely uh, divine. Let me ask you quickly. I, I think we're we're oh, we're out of time, but I I hope you'll join us again sometime because I'd like to know what you think about using high end spirits in cocktails. Is it a sin, or and from your point of view, <laughs> is it a great idea? It certainly has made this an exquisite experience. Thank you so much for being with us, Mr. Decor. Thank you, my friend. And information online uh, about Bastille whiskey, and we have Anthony DeSerio's cocktail. Incredible. We are on WNPR Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. Join the conversation with us. We're always up for a good time online at foodschmooze.org and on Facebook for Soups and Stews. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Everybody eats when they come to This is the place to enjoy the richness of life. And I have to say, sharing our local and national discoveries with you makes me want to get up in the morning. The gang and I hope you'll come back soon and often.